five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. You're listening to the Couples Fighting Special. Uh, the and I'm joined. I'm Sam Houston, and I'm joined today with the Malcolm to my Marie, the Wonder to my Vision, Jordan Luke McDonald. Everyone. Hello. I I do Why not. Why do you always give the, the awkward? The awkward pause. We're in just, love. You you always you always say some strange, bizarre, <laughs> strange intro. Uh, and also, now we've got a third wheel strange. here. Now we've got a third wheel just sat over in the corner. Some, some Joining scout, us some today, for the second time, his second appearance on the podcast, we are joined by a man known mainly as the Scout Scorsese, Brandon Bitter, everybody. Hello, yeah. Brandon. You're right, it's, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, um, that's, so, awkwardness aside, you know, you, uh, we've had you on the podcast before, you came off the Q&A. Um, and, and you know you're a film you said on the first time you're a film student so you know we're very excited but you have a, a big interest in, in films uh, yeah a big big interest yeah <laughs> and, and we'll be looking into uh, uh, a different, different <laughs> kind of types of things it's quite a bit of a variety uh, in there uh, today with the main feature will be Malcolm and Marie which is the newest Netflix uh, kind of romance tense kind of kind of uh, drama about two couples uh, a couple fighting sorry two, two people in a couple fighting um, and we'll be talking about uh, Greenland which is a, a disaster movie uh, starring oh who is it Jared Butler Jared Butler that's it I was getting them too mixed up uh, we'll be looking at uh, Bliss, which is a sci-fi romance, cerebral kind of thing, with Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek uh, about uh, this kind of uh, about a, a normal office guy that gets uh, whipped up in this uh, frenzy of reality and drugs, and and we'll get into that. And we'll also be looking, as always, at the most recent episode of WandaVision, episode five. Uh, which was very different and very strange and we'll obviously get all of our views on that but before we get onto that stuff uh, we'll start as we always do and we'll talk about what we watched this week we've also got some news to talk about with a lot of the awards coming out and critics things and, and a tra uh, tragic passing as well um, well not really that tragic it's in his 80s it's in his 90s sorry so if that gives any hint who it's going to be um, but uh, we're going to start off uh, with Brandon what have you been watching in the last few weeks of course as we said to all the guests a little bit more of an undefined time because obviously you didn't have a podcast to record last week with us but over the last kind of however, however long what, what interesting things have you watched? Uh, a lot of things I watched are influenced by my flatmates because that's when we do I do most of me watching when we all sit down and watch stuff together so I've watched mm -hmm. an unholy amount of animated films about animals <laughs> for some reason I watched, we watched the first Madagascar which is actually a lot funnier than I remember it being mm -hmm. um, but then we watched Barnyard and that is an absolute abomination <laughs> yeah that is not a good thing <laughs> uh, I watched Zootopia after those two just for like a refresher because it's good but other than that a few days ago I watched a horror film from 2019 called Girl on the Third Floor and I enjoyed it quite a lot. It's about a, a mm. man who moved, is moving to the suburbs with his wife, uh, who's pregnant, and he's fixing up a house. But not everything is as it seems. But mm. it was quite good, and I enjoyed it. 
That's a classic movie, movie synopsis line there from, uh, from you. <laughs> Not everything is as it seems. So is Zootopia actually good, by the way? Because I know I've heard a lot of um, people kind of talk positively about it, but from like images and shit, I can't imagine it being good. But everyone seems to tell me it's good. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it quite, like, quite a lot. I, and I, the first time around I watched it, it was like closer to the time of release. I didn't. I knew it was like an allegory for the sort of race issues and things like that, but I didn't realize just how really sort of yeah sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't realize just how much the the main character was affected by stuff like that. So a rewatch. Wow, that's mad. Cleared. Yeah, it's really, it is really good. I've seen the only criticism I've seen of it, and I don't know if I agree <laughs> with it or not, is uh, the whole propaganda sort of thing. Because obviously, like the oh yeah, the I mean, I, I've seen yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've, other I've than seen, that, I think uh, it's a great film. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it is a good film. I've, I've seen one other criticism, but I won't really get into it here if Sam hasn't seen it because it's sort of okay, spoilery. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, oh, boys, just want to say, um, it's not often where, you know, and this is a little bit of a, a, a divergence from, from our usual sub, su- uh, subject of films. There can't be many times where we're all happy about the football, but you're a Man City fan, Jordan... <laughs> You're an Everton fan, uh, Brandon. I'm an Arsenal fan. We all must have taken an immense joy of seeing Man City battle Liverpool yesterday because it's, yeah. it's good for us in the terms of not having uh, Man United win the league. It's good for you because you saw Liverpool lose. And it's good for Jordan because you saw your team win 4-1. So I just want to give that in there in, in case any Liverpool fans or anything are listening. Now just a, just a yeah, great game. A very enjoyable game. <laughs> <laughs> other than the, uh, well, you know, there's the slight tension we conceded, but other than that, no. To uh, one of the most awful fouls I think you could see on a Premier League player, you can uh, on Mohamed Salah. Can't I? Can't surprised he managed to carry on after that. It was despicable, absolutely despicable. Should have been a should have been <laughs> like yes, banned for life. Should have been ten match banned for like assault or something. Should have been locked up. Yeah, Ruben Diaz well, should be in prison. Imagine a team getting sent a red red card for a penalty that, that shouldn't happen. Imagine that. Ruben Diaz should be in prison <laughs> anyway. Right now. Yes. So, um, I'll get on to what I've watched this last week. And I'll tell you what I just finished watching about 20... No, about an hour ago. I uh, just finished watching Avengers Age of Ultron again, which is um, because my mum uh, was a bit confused about perhaps some of the origins of the characters in WandaVision. Uh, so I watched it back, and I'll say my unpopular opinion is that it's way better than the first Avengers, but my popular opinion is it's not that good anyway, so it's kind of a <laughs> in the middle. Um, but what else I've watched? I'll tell you what I've watched. I've told. I've got something to tell you Jordan that might get you uh, a little bit aroused I have watched five episodes of the first season of Mr. Robot oh well done and proud of you I've been, one of my friends I've been telling her to watch it and she's uh, she's watched one episode and she's like you know mm-hmm. she's been putting off putting off I'm like you need to watch you need to watch it and she's like I will I will I will I'm just like okay hurry up I'm, I'm, I'm glad you watched it's, it though what do you think it's really good it's really I'm really enjoy- I do find some of the dialogue to be a little bit childish at times um you know but maybe that's just because it's the early days i don't know how much sam has made before uh, and i don't know if that kind of gets better over time but i think that the premise is great and i think remy malik is excellent which you know i really uh, i'm really looking forward to to getting into the, the, the bit more thick of it and you know if i wasn't recording the podcast now i'd probably be watching another episode of it um yeah i just uh, let me just check in case i've watched anything else that's worthy of talking about uh not really so i'll hand it over to you jail well, I'm, I'm glad I went last because actually no, maybe I'm not glad I went last because I've watched zero. I don't think I watched anything they weren't going to discuss on the podcast. Yikes! I don't think I have. Yikes. I'm trying to think if I have. 
Uh, in the past couple of weeks, actually, I forgot to mention this. I watched the first episode of You, the Netflix uh, series. Oh, yeah. Um, but I I just got busy with my stuff and never got on to continue with it. But it's, I will be watching the rest of it because uh, I was very uh, intrigued by the first episode. So I've had, I've had, no, maybe watch two episodes. I watched two episodes, I think, actually. Um, yeah. So yeah, very intrigued by what what happens and where the story goes. But yeah, I don't think I've watched. I think kind of the same thing that. with uh, Night Stalker. Like I watched the first episode a few weeks ago and then I just got ill and then I, I just watched. didn't watch it. And I remember something else I watched. How, actually, I, I watched something watch. else. Now I've said that I've watched one episode of. A series I'd not heard about at all, and I was very intrigued by it when I found it. I came across it. I don't even know how I found it. Uh, it's an Amazon series called Tales from the Loop, and it's based mm-hmm. on I've forgotten the guy's name, but it's based on uh, a series. Well, not a series of painting, just just this guy's portfolio of, of paintings. Uh, I think it's a Swedish uh, Swedish artist. Uh, makes mm-hmm. very sort of um, Kind of like techno sci-fi alternate like kind of um it's like a board game that I play called Scythe, um, which is a video game based on it called Iron Harvest. Um and it's set in a universe called nineteen twenty plus. It's kind of like an alternate post World War One um oh. sort of it's kind of like steampunky but also like kind of a bit different not yeah, kind of steampunky I guess. Uh and the, the universe, yeah, it's um kind of giving me vibes of that. It's uh, this kind of sci-fi alternative universe um, anthology series. So I'd, I'd heard, well, I've read an anthology and I kind of saw it and it gave me sort of vibes of that. And then um, obviously I really like Black Mirror and love Death and Robots. So I kind of just very intrigued by it. I hadn't heard anything about it at all. Uh, watched the first episode and yeah, based on the synopsis of the upcoming episodes, um, I'm not too sure where the anthology description comes from because it seems that characters cross over between the different episodes so mm. i'm not sure whether it's just kind of the same characters but isolated incidents or i'm not too sure how the anthology nature comes into it but um i will be continuing with that it was very very solid first episode and uh yeah very intriguing premise so i'll be continuing with that as well yeah it does sound um a very some very high concepts uh in there and uh, yeah if you can report back when you uh watch one of that i'm sure we'll appreciate it um so moving on to some some news and stuff Firstly, I'll say that we conducted a poll following the last episode um, of, of the podcast. Uh, we tackled last episode you the very important a poll. question. I conducted a poll on the account. Um, of uh, who you're picking out of Godzilla and Kong. And there's been 107 votes, which is, you know, a decent amount. Before, before we re- reveal the results of the poll, uh, Brandon, I'd like to hear your official thoughts on Godzilla versus Kong. Who are you picking? Right. Was the basis of this poll who you prefer or who you would pick? Who do you think would win? I didn't. I should have made that a bit more obvious. But uh, it's yeah. who you who you want. Who you want? That's why I should have just said that. All right. I would want King Kong to win. Uh, I have a monkey bias. To be honest, that's 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 most of it. I'd have never seen a Godzilla movie. But, exactly. Okay. Exactly. But uh, um, you're acting like I'm some re- I'm some yeah. big anti Godzilla like. <laughs> You know, maniac. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I, I, before you reveal the results of this poll, I want, I want to hear exactly what the tweet was was uh, was, was asking people before you give the official verdict. The tweet was. The tweet was the podcast is officially split. Who are you picking? Team Godzilla, Team Kong. Because I asked you last time and you said. Okay, Kong, okay, that, that, okay. No, 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 yeah, no. I'd have been like, if you put whether you'd asked who people want to win, who they think is going to win. But no, no, you, you, that's, that's fairly, fairly reasonable, the way you've worded it. So I'm intrigued to see what the results were. I've not actually seen the full final results. 
There's 107 votes, and yeah. 42% have sided with me for Team Godzilla, and 58%, so probably just about 60 people, yeah. have picked you. They've picked Team Kong. So You've acted like I'm some Kongs down here. I'm, I'm really not. Yeah, but we picked... We No, yeah, but we both picked, and you picked Kong, and you picked wrong. Kong is wrong. <laughs> Simple as. Okay. Kong is wrong. King wrong. King wrong. Christopher Plummer died this week, boys, which is sad. Uh, obviously, he was age 91, so, you know, it's not exactly uh, anything like, you know, world-breaking or anything. But it's uh, worthy of mentioning because he is, I guess, you know, one of the more uh, established and one of the kind of more, uh, you know, he's, he's won an awful lot. He's, he's got he's got an Oscar and a Golden Globe and, you know, all these things. You know, his stage performances and... Uh, and on the silver screen as well, you know, do the sound of music and obviously probably and Malcolm X and, you know, Waterloo and all these, these classics. And I guess it's, it's probably best known to people, not only, well, for our kind of generation and the generation kind of directly below and above us for uh, Girl Dragon Tattoo and Knives Out. So, you know, yeah, sad, sad and to say, up. and you know, had a great career. And up. Correct, of course. Also, as well, when I so, uh, when I heard about the the news, it made me push um, nine. If you've, I'm not sure if you've seen it, uh, the animated film. No, I've not. Um, it made me push that back up my rewatch list. Uh, I've got a films of a list okay. of films I want to rewatch at some point, like Forgotten or you know I watched them as a kid and probably thought they were way better than they were, like like Real Steel and so on. Uh, but yeah, nine was mm. one of those ones. I remember being very. It's one of the first animated films I saw, which is quite dark and, and very different than the kids' films I'd seen before. So, yeah, definitely uh, yeah. going to watch that again soon. Yeah, okay. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah, so obviously uh, well-established Shakespearean and, 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 a, and a great loss. So, going on and uh, talking about the nominations uh, have been announced for a number of things and, and a couple... Uh, Places have actually announced their winners. So we first talking about the Golden Globes, and I don't really want to go through every single one because that's not what we're doing on the podcast. We'll probably do that for the Oscars, do a specific Oscar podcast. But I just want to say that maybe, you know, I think um, you'll start. We're starting to see a very clear image of what is going to be in Oscar conversations for nominations and what things are starting to pick. And I think we're starting to get to the point now. We've seen the critics' choice of things, and we've seen these, and we've seen. Local place, we can imagine that you know there's nowhere that's not going to have Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins in as, as best uh, actor. We know that you know Minari and Nomadland are going to be in every single best picture conversation. Um, I guess the big surprise that came out of the Golden Globe specifically is I don't think uh, many people expected Hamilton to be done to do so well because there's a bit controversy about you know what, what it counts as you know is it just a stage production that's been filmed or is it an actual film because the because the actors knew that they were going to be you know or disney plus and such there's that and i guess another thing was that uh, jared leto's for supporting actor for uh the little things that was a bit of a surprise but i'm not going to go deep into um to the to the details of, of each nomination or anything but is this one i ask you jr really if there's anything that surprised you or anything that you know you you're starting to see a pattern coming. Anything you want to say about these these uh, nominations that are coming out for Critics' Choice Awards and the Gold Globes and such? Um, I think obviously just um, the kind of things we expected, really. Um, the the likes of um, Mank and the Trial of Chicago Seven doing very well across the board, and you know a lot of the acting mm-hmm. categories and technical categories, uh, which you know we kind of expected. 
Uh, as you mentioned before the podcast, you know, Hollywood tends to like films about Hollywood, so Mank was no surprise really that it's doing very well in a lot of categories. Yeah, Critics' Choice um, works really well. I think um, maybe, I don't know if it's a surprise, but Gary Oldman has has picked up a couple of uh, a couple of nominations, which I've seen a few conversations around, around on film Twitter and Letterboxd and so on, where people saying uh, potentially, you know, he might miss out because it's the stronger performances, which maybe I probably do, do tend to agree with those sorts of views, but Obviously, Gary Oldman giving a still a very good performance in Mank, and uh, as you mentioned, no surprise really that he's doing very well in a lot of the conversations with the film critics and, and award ceremonies and so on. Um, yeah, just I think I think Pink quite, you know, ex- to be expected really with with a lot of them. Um, I think some of the more some of the smaller um, or sort of you know more place specific film critics uh, awards, such as we obviously we saw the over the past couple of days, so the winners of the London Film Critics Circle, um, you know, they've announced their winners already. Um, some more mm-hmm. indie, sort of smaller films, which maybe are going to have maybe a couple of nominations at the, the big award ceremonies have been picking up some some big wins, Nomadland and um, even St. Maud as well. Uh, obviously, in, in, the, in the London one, St. Maud picking up uh, quite a few wins as well. So, yes, uh, mm-hmm. some, some nice to see some of the... Smaller, maybe more indie films get picking up some some nominations and some wins as well across the board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say to look at London. Uh, it's nice to see uh, St. Maud do so well, and it's nice to see that Riz Ahmed really get the recognition that he's deserved for, for a long time. Um, with you know, cause he got the film big in the London Critics Awards. They do it a kind of British Actor of the Year rather than specific films. Obviously, he's been in uh, a short film that's done very well. He's been in Mogul Mowgli, which you um, a big fan of. And of course, he's been in Sound of Metal, which you know everyone's you know talking about. Um, so yeah, nice to see them do as well. And it's obviously nice to see Saint Maud get recognised. We did it on the podcast. I'm a big fan. I actually think our opinion's gone up over time just thinking about the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I think you've said the same. Um, but uh, yeah, so to 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 just go to you to Brandon, uh, and I don't know, especially we're in a bad situation, I guess in in the UK a lot with the release dates and, and a lot of the big Oscar contenders haven't been released here. You know, Nomadland and Minari and Promising Young Woman and The Mauritanian, The Father. But is there any films that you've seen really, um, you know, where you think whether it's an actor or a film itself or director, is there any film that you've seen over this last year that you've been like, boom, that's a definite Oscar, you know, that's boom. Is there anything that's really stood out to you like that's Oscar material, that's Golden Globe material, that's an award? Uh, I, I don't know if it was because I haven't watched that many new films as of late, uh, especially over the course of last year after everything closed. Mm-hmm. But I I really am left in the dark about uh, like the awards season this year. I have no idea what is um up there and and what we should be expecting. Especially since oh, I'm not mm-hmm. really I'm not massively into the awards anyway. But this yeah. year with, with me not being able to see anything or struggling to keep up with news and mm-hmm. things. Uh, yeah. No, but I'll, I'll be interested to see, and then it'll after the fact it'll give me a lot of stuff to. Sort of look to go back, back on. on. Yeah, yeah. I'm also. I think um, a lot of people. No, I was going to say one thing. I forgot to mention my in my just stop discussion about whether expected and so on. Uh, one thing I'm one thing I'm really liking is the um, nominations that have been popping up for Maria Bakalova for Borat uh, subsequent yeah. movie film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a, a lot yep. of ceremonies have recognised her, uh, even picking up quite a few wins in some of some of the um, more local film critics uh, circles. So. Hopefully she does uh, quite well on the Oscars front and, and so on because I think she definitely deserves it for performance. 
Oh, I've said it before, uh, I said it when we did the podcast, just the concept of Borat's subsequent movie film winning uh, one of the top, you know, f- you know, the big four acting, you know, that would be just a, a funny idea. So I am supporting her till the end for that one. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be in, uh, in Brandon's boat. Um, people, especially traditionally into film that maybe don't know what's going on because of the strange COVID situation and, and, and haven't maybe seen a lot of the films that come out. And I also think there'll be quite a lot of people opposite who maybe don't normally watch many of the big films that have kind of almost accidentally done so because there are so many on the streaming services. So it's a very strange Oscar season, I think. Um, you, you know, I think realistically, maybe a lot of the films that drag people to Netflix, things like The Midnight Sky or whatever, are not going to be in the Oscar conversations. I think maybe I don't see the average you know, Dave from, from Rotherham watching uh, watching Mank, for example. So, or, you know, the 40-year-old version or whatever. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's an interesting year, definitely. And, of course, COVID is, is, is right at the centre of all that. And a lot of these films, you know, that obviously, were supposed to win Oscars weren't released. Yeah, and obviously one thing I was going to say, uh, one, one thing I can just, just balance off what you just said there as well is obviously the... Um, the, the the window for nominations and the, the eligibility window for films has been uh, sort of extended this year, obviously because of the, the pandemic and so on. Mm-hmm. So a lot of films which have been in Oscar conversations and so on, you know, haven't had release dates until recently or aren't even released yet. Um, you know, the likes of Malcolm Marie, which is which has just been released, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it shortly. Um, or you know, a bunch of other films really that have. You know, come out recently or coming out soon. Judas and the Black Messiah, or you know, um, there's a bunch of different a bunch of films where uh, it's got to maybe be a, be a bit later than usual. Really, obviously, as in in sort of typical years, the the big films that we expect to pick up the wins have been sort of locked in and known well in advance. Whereas this time around, it seems that quite a few films have uh, come in sort of at the last minute almost because of the the extended eligibility uh, window. So yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, and there's a lot of films where I think even we feel kind of I feel kind of left in the dark in the UK. Stuff like *Judas and the Black Messiah* and the, *The Father*. I have no idea what's going to happen. But we can't really spend too much more time on that because we have four different things to review, boys. So yeah, let's start off with *One Division* episode five. So JL talking before the podcast. We've agreed that we are going to have this as a spoiler section. So if you haven't seen *One Division* episode five and you care about it. Just skip to the end, I guess, um, or, just, or just skip through until you can hear us talking about something else. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. I'm going to start off, actually, this is going to be a little, a little mini review, actually, of the series from Brandon's point of view, because we haven't heard his thoughts on WandaVision. So, without specifics on episode five, just as a more general thing, what are you feeling five episodes into WandaVision? Are you enjoying it? Do you like the change of style? Do you think it's confusing? Do you think it's maybe a little bit cheap? What, what do you think? What do you think? I uh, am enjoying it more and more with every episode, and especially after the first episode, I wasn't too sure what it was shaping up to be because that really just does set up sort of the the many odes to old sitcoms that it sort of goes through throughout each of the episodes so far. So mm-hmm. after after that, and and just getting more into it made me for the podcast, but I also was enjoying myself. I would watch it without this, you know, sort of commitment. But. Mm-hmm. I, I I do enjoy it. Maybe may, I think maybe it's because I'm, you know, I I would assume, for us being specifically into, the ideas of, of film, we will enjoy the sort of weird, stylistic evolution it goes through. Maybe more than the average viewer would if if someone's just into the MCU or whatever. But mm-hmm. I that that definitely adds to it for me, and uh, the more we find out, I think the more, interesting it gets, and especially. When I first heard that they were doing this, 
sh- like a show with uh, Wonder and Vision, I really had no idea what to expect or if I would in- enjoy it or if I would even bother watching it at all because they're not characters I was particularly fond of from mm-hmm. the films. I, d- I didn't dislike them, but I, d- I didn't really think much of them. But mm-hmm. uh, I've really turned around on uh, on them and, and, and I'm enjoying it quite a lot. And uh, Especially around episode four. I really enjoyed episode four. But uh, episode five is... Something you know, it is just continuing it well. It's it's a very solid show so far. Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll be inclined to agree. Um, Jordan last last week um, said that he think that episode four was the worst so far. Personally, I felt like it was kind of hard to compare because it was so different. For me, I think I agree. It's getting better about episode episode um, in in the general sense. And and for me, I think episode five was the best. I, I'll, I'll kind of go in a bit into my details, of my thoughts in a second. But I thought episode five was the best episode so far. Um, and, and partly because of the big reveal at the end, but I very much enjoyed a lot of the kind of fourth wall breaking and fighting the credits and such that, that goes on. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it for me um, is, you know, you said about being maybe someone that isn't so MCU focused, uh, maybe enjoy it a bit more. And for me, I think a little bit of that where I love the MCU in general and I've watched all of the films. Um, but the ones that I kind of seem to dislike that maybe a lot of people like are things like Captain America the Winter Soldier or uh, Civil War where it's just kind of superheroes um, fighting kind of vague you know um, kind of a fairly boring bad guys in a dusty setting you know like and they're fighting in, in the middle of America and it's just like you know whoever's stronger wins kind of thing that that kind of feeling that i get from those films are the kind of little, like a, a kind of super superhero version of mission impossible that that really that bores me um and i think that the more experimental or stylized mcu films i think of the 90s feel that, that captain marvel gives for example or the uh you know the colorful and and uh, exciting and comedy Ragnarok those are what I like the most I think that WandaVision is, is a bit like that because it's giving off this really stylized really different vibe that feels so unlike anything in the MCU and, and going for the sitcoms you know so entertaining but um I'll, go into, I'll quickly go into episode 5 I think that we're all, we're all surprised at the, the reveal I, I know that actually UJL wasn't so surprised at the, the reveal because you didn't you haven't seen any X-Men films I don't know if you have Brandon but you know, I when I saw it, and, and and the big spoiler here, you know, when they opened the door and and uh, and the X Men version of, of Pietro came through, that was a jaw drop moment for me. And I think that that was a great ending to an episode that you know I thought the big ending was going to be them two fighting and somebody gets hurt, but man, this episode really swung. You know, I just didn't know what to expect. You're talking, you got all the, the the shield people, the shield sword people, and then you have them fighting. It seems normal. And did 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 Agnes kill the dog? Perhaps. And then boom, they're fighting the credits, and then the big fight, and then suddenly, oh, just yeah, you didn't I, know what to expect. Yeah, very unpredictable, which I quite like about it. Um, we've kind of talked about in the past about the formulate nature of some of the Marvel films. Uh, you know, the kind of three acts, and there's a bad guy who has a you know the same power as the good guy, and it's whatever. Like you know, just having just sort of shake up really the unpredictability of it all is is very intriguing. Um, as you mentioned as well, as someone who maybe is more inclined to you know reading the comics and a bit more aware of the story beats in the comics, uh, even you know some unpredictable moments, um, you know based on the comics that WandaVision is is kind of paralleling. Um, in the last episode we talked about that, so yeah, very uh, very intriguing episode. Obviously, as you as you mentioned, I wasn't necessarily aware of the connotations of the the big reveal at the end uh, when I saw. And all, so when I saw someone from behind with, with grey hair, I was thinking, this is going to be uh, old cap from... 
I was thinking, why is he here? And it wasn't. And uh, yeah, no. And then I, I uh, you know, realised afterwards that it was... Because uh, I kind of thought it was just uh, straight recast as in like a censoring or something that Wanda was doing to mm. maybe shut out emotion. Um, but no, it's very different connotations. And as you mentioned in the last episode, the, the uh, implications going forward for the likes of Doctor Strange 2 and, and so on. Um, very intriguing. And how it's going to end up. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. And Deadpool, because I know they want to keep running. Well, yeah, it's interesting as well because obviously it, it has connotation, it has uh, sort of connotations for we've talked to before in the past about you know the MCU is a very established thing now. How are they going to bring in the Fox property and you know bring in the Marvel, uh, the sorry the X Men characters into the MCU and you know is it going to be uh, related to the 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 snap and the blip and, and all that sort of stuff? Is it going to be related to uh, anything else in the multiverse or whatever? Well, whatever else it may be. So uh, you know. Not necessarily confirmation in the episode of WandaVision, but more, more or less uh, some evidence that it's going down that route. And um, yeah, I think the episode was great, as, as you mentioned, for the best episode for me so far by by some distance. And uh, you know, for what, after you said, um, after what I said last week, could have been potentially the the worst episode so far that I felt. Uh, you know, come, coming in with a very strong episode this week, uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing where it goes now. Yeah, um, I, I echo a lot of the things you said. Um, and so uh, you talked about what you thought of the series so far coming up to episode five and, and kind of your general opinion, I think, in the four was better than five. But can I, yeah, could you, could you give us your actual specific episode five thoughts, Brandon? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I enjoy the sort of uh, turn and, and twist in the reveal that Wanda's sort of the antagonist, mainly driving... Mm. The conflict in it, I, I, I do quite enjoy that as a nice sort of twist on your typical, you know, the MCU really does struggle with villains a lot of the time. I think mm-hmm. there's only a handful of, of, of good ones, so I enjoyed them choosing to do that. Uh, and I'm, I also was glad that Vision had started to piece things together for himself, because if you have this character who's supposed to be this really hyper-intelligent being and the stuff around him keeps going wrong and he just does not put it together that would have been quite frustrating I think um, mm, yeah, okay. for, oh, for me anyway uh, I did also start wondering um, when, when presumably they get out of this fake town inside Wanda's mind or wherever it is mm. can, is Vision going to be able to survive or is he only alive in this sort of fake reality um, so I'm, I'm curious about that and the end reveal of uh, Evan Peters there as Quicksilver. I haven't really, I, I never really watched the Fox X Men movies, but I kept up to date with all of them, and, and obviously I knew who he was, uh, mm. and, and things like that. But it did get spoiled for me on Twitter oh, really? before I watched it, so I didn't get to enjoy that as much as yeah. maybe I could have. Yeah, one thing I was going to say as well is, you know, the, the spoilers thing. I mean, I've seen a couple of people posting images and so on, you know, just a couple of hours after the episode airs, which, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, at least at least have some kind of spoiler tag or warning or something. But I think one thing I will say is is that having the WandaVision release weekly has added, I think, a lot to the experience for me. I think if I'd have binge-watched yeah. this, it wouldn't have been mm. as impactful and sort of, you know, as... Uh, as effective as it has been, really, and you know, we've seen, yeah. seen that with like some other shows with Netflix and, and Amazon as well, releasing stuff weekly. We discuss on the podcast why they're doing it. You know, why don't they just release it all in one go? And I think we're kind of seeing the the uh, the evidence to show why they. Perhaps I believe have our conclusions. 
we came to the conclusion that they didn't want people to binge on stream services from week trials. I think that's what we we thought it was, but I think this yeah. proves that it's probably a bit more than that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, all week, uh, you know, it's Monday now we're recording, and this will come out on Tuesday. Um, but all week we, uh, you know, I've got we've got to wait from Friday till Friday. I really want to know what happens and all the details of her brother. You know, you obviously wouldn't have that. You'd have that instant payoff if if you had a, a next episode, which is uh, perhaps maybe one of the things that I am missing with Mister Robot. That I'm getting it all at once. Um, because there's some big plot twists every episode. But yeah, so I think positive views all round for episode five. And uh, I don't know if... Well, seeing as we're over the halfway point now, uh, it's only going to be nine episodes and it's five out now. So hopefully you can uh, keep up with it, Brandon, and, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll try and talk to you uh, next time you come on the podcast, see what your your, your, your long thought, long-term, your whole series thoughts are. Obviously, we'll be talking about every episode. But um, yeah, so WandaVision, of course, available weekly on Disney+. And now we're going to be talking about two films in a row on Prime before we talk about a film on Netflix. So all streaming services, because as always... We are still in lockdown. So, we'll start off with the film that I haven't seen because I didn't realise I had to see it. Uh, Greenland, uh, starring um, if I could, Gerard, Gerard Butler. Butler. <laughs> and, yeah, that's it, that's it. Uh, what's it called? Um, if Sound Thing Happens, I Love You. Do you remember that? I couldn't get that right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Gerard Butler. So, it's a, in the in the same vein of the likes of 2012 and The Day After Tomorrow. It's one of those... Stereotypical disaster movies um, to do with Greenland, I assume, in some, in some respect. I haven't really done my research enough to know what this is about, so I'll let you take the uh, reins here. Let's start off with uh, let's start off with you, JL. What, what are your thoughts on Greenland? So my my thoughts, I'll I'll, uh, I'll start this by saying what my thoughts were when I first heard about this film, which was seeing it in the cinema every time I went to a limitless screening and being tortured with some really poorly and goofily edited trailer um which i'm kind of disappointed i saw about 50 times because it gave in and not as if it's like a spoiler heavy you know film that can be ruined by spoilers or anything but um it, it kind of showed plot beats from sort of two arcs into the film which i kind of wouldn't have wanted to see going into oh, it i hate when they do that they showed like characters at certain moments where i knew they were going to be around at this part and they shoot they showed like sort of you know, development of, you know, anyway, I'm not going to go into too much about it, but anyway, so I kind of got into this, I was expecting it to be very typical, you know, very average, if not below a subpar um, disaster movie. I did definitely get 2012 vibes from the trailer, which I saw, as I mentioned, every week in the cinema. And, um, but then kind of a couple of months ago when I heard this is going to be on Amazon Prime, and at that point I kind of thought it was going to be a sort of pay or rented thing rather than a included with prime um, situation i remember seeing someone's review sort of just before um well just after i'd heard that it was coming to prime at some point this year and sort of reading that it was their surprise of the year um giving it sort of more positive reviews and praising it in, in certain regards and yeah so the film is basically um focused around uh, john garrity played by uh, gerard butler and um there's a there's a interstellar comet which you know he's he's gonna you know be around the earth but you mm-hmm. know there's supposedly no risk uh from this from this comet and you know as you expect with disaster movie things quickly go go uh go south and um you know perhaps what the information that was being given to, to the people wasn't necessarily true and and it's, it's you know it's an, it's an impending uh global disaster and uh Jared butler has to get his family to yeah, yeah, and uh, has to get his family to to some 
faraway location by any means necessary. Um, it, I don't. I'll, I'll go into. I'll go into. You know, I'll probably speak to obviously Brandon Cenas as well. Um, I think it definitely did give me still give me twenty twelve vibes. There's uh, there's a subplot involving a um, you know a sort of broken but fractured relationship between two people and you know a child with a medical mm-hmm. condition and um, they have to get on a plane to some faraway you know place and but I, th- I think overall. Um, I'll just sort of give more general thoughts because obviously we've got a lot of things to discuss this week. But I think it, it what it does what it does well is uh, it's a much more personal, character focused um, disaster movie than 2012, which is a very much of a mess. You know, praised for its visual effects, but screenplay and and, and plot and runtime were very heavily criticised by by you know general cinema goers and, and critics alike. And this was a bit different. It, it was uh, shorter. Um, you know, it had uh, more sort of interesting characters and and more development of those characters and a bit more of a personal take on on it really, which I think uh, really works in its favour. Uh, I'm not sure if you'd agree, Brandon, but it definitely felt um, like a more coherent and, and interesting and intriguing and exciting film than 2012 did. Uh, yeah, I, I would. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, should I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. No, I, I, uh, <laughs> I would definitely agree with with pretty much everything uh, you just said. I would say, I, f- all right, first of all, going into this, I really do not like disaster films at all. Yeah. I, I don't mm-hmm. think I there are very many good ones. I thought the last one I saw was San Andreas with Dwayne Rock Johnson. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you, I'll just go cut in. I'll tell you what, the last one I watched, I remember watching the cinema with my mates, probably about 2016, so like way before I liked films and that. And Geostorm. That was the yeah, last Jeff one. Yeah, Jeff Butler's in that as well, right? Have you, have you, is he? I, I've I not seen it. I've not seen it, but I think he's in it. I believe he's in it. Um, there's there's some there's a point in it. It's 2017. It came out. Um, yeah, Jared Butler's the main character. There's one point where um, there's like a scientist and they're kind of looking at the sky and they're seeing this storm come. And he looks into the camera. He goes, "Some looks like there's some kind of Geostorm." <laughs> and uh, I don't think I'm ever going to watch a disaster come again. So I think I've God seen that clip. <laughs> yeah, you um, watch it. What are your thoughts on Brandon? Yeah, uh, so after after seeing things like uh, The Rocks, San Andreas, I just mm-hmm. d- d- you know I, d- I didn't really plan on giving disaster films any of my time anymore. But after watching this, I was quite pleasantly surprised by uh, the the fact it wasn't just a load of you know carnage for carnage's sake and, and it had mm-hmm. uh, a lot more attention paid to, to the characters and uh, i didn't really care for gerald butler's wife or son that much um though <laughs> heartless <laughs> bastard though it wa- <laughs> on a personal level not to about the film but i just saw them yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, doing yeah, an interview one yeah. day <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the, not not to not to a point where it spoiled anything for me. I just you know I, I wasn't too bothered about them, um, mm-hmm. and the 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 relationship sort of romantic subplot I do think was a little bit underdeveloped. But uh, other than that, it it was a a, a pleasant uh, a pleasantly surprised yeah viewing experience. I enjoyed it a lot more than I, than I thought I would. Yeah. I think with this mm-hmm. film as well is that something like 2012, which I said before was praised, you know, quite, you know, quite widely praised for its visual effects, um, you know, but I think in 2012, the visual effects were kind of the saving grace and almost the main focus of the film and that kind of detracted from 
you know, meant that the the screenplay and, and such wasn't as good. I think this film, you know, in parts, even the visual effects weren't astonishing. You know, they weren't. I don't, I don't think some of the some of the visual effects in this yeah. film were worse than twenty twelve. I'd say. Um, mm. And there's a couple of shots where, you know, they they just basically have nothing else in frame and just use VFX on on a sky, and it's kind of like oh, you know. Um, you know, it, I don't know. The visual effects were, were, were very good in this film in, in, in most parts. I just felt there was a couple of parts where it was weaker than, than 2012. But, I mean, overall, this film was, was much stronger. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't really rely on the VFX to sort of tell the story. And if you know what I mean, it didn't really... It, it wasn't sort of depending on those to, to carry the film. It, it had its own merits as well in terms of characters and so on. Obviously, with any disaster movie, there's, there's a bunch of strange decision-making at, at certain points and... You know, there's one. I'm not gonna. Say, it's, it's not really a spoiler. It's a spoiler, but I'm not gonna say it. But there's one part involving the child where I was kind of thinking, "What the hell is this child doing?" Um, <laughs> um, and it kind of, you know, there's, there's a couple of a bunch of plot-like contrivances and and ways that the story does strange things with characters and so on to make the the story progress um, and give a plot for it to happen. But you know, it, it was uh, by no means. A disaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would oh say, come <laughs> when I see something like this on Prime, and especially talking about say my, my my thoughts on stuff like Twenty Twelve and Geostorm, I don't imagine it to be good. So the fact that you kind of are giving quite positive reviews and saying that you kind of like slightly, uh, you know, better than you thought it was going to be, it's kind uh, of yeah, you know, it's kind of like unhinged in a way. Like it's got a decently strong sort of central performance from obviously that film was uh, Russell Crowe and this film was Jared Butler. And mm. the supporting cast were, were overall pretty good, and uh, yeah, he just kind of had this, this this premise and ran with it in a way that Unhinged did, and obviously Unhinged, you know, you know, I gave it like a three or something on Letterboxd. You know, it's, it's not an amazing film, but um, I think for a, given the the current climate with the films that are being released, when it comes to sort of action films, disaster films, thrillers, um, mm. I was kind of watching it at home. I was watching it with my brother's girlfriend. It's like I kind of wish that, you know. I'd have seen this, you know, when it was in cinemas. Um, I would have done with, with even the, even though I was so reluctant to watch it at first when I saw the trailer so many times. I think I would have, think it would have been really cool to watch it in a cinema. I think some of the just just sort of the atmosphere it created was was quite interesting and uh, would have been would have been cool on a big screen. There's a constant battle between me and you, JL. Um, trying to get you to give ten out, uh, out of ten ratings when you so clearly want to give out of fives. But if you were to give it a rating out of ten, uh, what would you be inclined to give Greenland? Uh, probably going for like six, maybe six out of ten. Okay. Okay. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, I'd, I'd give it about a, a six or a seven. It's, yeah, six, six and a half. Really, yeah, something like that. Okay. Quite, quite a sort, just a solid film. Okay. Interesting. Um. So from from one uh disaster movie to a film which has been a I'm gonna be honest, a, a kind of critical disaster, uh, a, a re- receptive disaster, uh, in the 2021 film Bliss. Uh, it's uh, directed by um, a guy named Mike Cahill. He kind of, he did a film called I Origins a couple of years ago that, that did particularly that was that was kind of received pretty well, um, but hasn't made too much. Um, and it you know follows Sam Hayek and well it film fo- follows Owen Wilson uh, mainly. Uh, and he, he's the kind of main character, and he is a man that is um, he you know he accidentally uh, kills his boss in the first few minutes, um, and you know he finds this woman who 
leads him to believe that his reality is not actually what it seems, as uh, as Brandon would say. And um, it kind of this this you know it's a thing is reality real? Is it not? And there's the usage of drugs and, and, and crystals to to jump between realities and 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 it kind of turns it's it's. Uh, at its heart, a romance between Owen Wilson and Sam Hayek, who uh, find who believe each other to be soulmates, um, but it definitely has a strong sci-fi and and perhaps some psychological elements. Um, so I think I'll start first uh, because I didn't go last time, and I'll say that this film hasn't done well critically. You know, uh, if we're talking about specifically Letterbox, which would be the place that I trust the most because I feel like it's through a very like-minded set of people in general. Uh, it's averaging out around a two and most people have given it like a two or a two and a half. Um, and I would say that straight up, I think that the film perhaps is better than it is being received. I, I think, um, you know, I'm just going to lead, lead with that. And I think that maybe the film is receiving a little bit more uh, hatred than I, I, I think and, uh, I would personally give it. Because I think um, we're looking at a film with some really, really intense intelligent and and good concepts i'll say i should say this is a very similar to my thoughts on vivarium uh the um the jesse eisenberg film that, that came out earlier this year um or last year sorry um and in the way that it's it's got some really strong concepts and a couple good performances I'd say especially i thought owen wilson you know someone that's known so much for his comedy coming into a more dramatic setting um, I thought he was good, and I think there's some really, say, really good concepts about this this reality and and kind of the, the the thing of you know is it real, is it not, and kind of the way they explore that, especially throughout the end of the film, you know, towards the the, the sort of third act of the film, I think it's really good ideas. Um, but much like Vivarium, I think it's let down by um, some some you know it's the concept is never really fleshed out in the degree you want it to. Uh, the ending perhaps feels a little bit rushed and doesn't give the payback that you want from the film. And there are definitely some individual issues. I think that there's not really chemistry between Hayek and, and Wilson. Obviously, they're both uh, very established actors in their own right and, and are both excellent. Especially, you know, I've seen an awful lot of Hayek recently and she's uh, obviously an excellent actor uh, or actress, whatever you prefer. Um, and and so, But I just think that maybe this film uh, is receiving... It does, you know, it's not getting some credit it receives for maybe some of the things that it tries to bring to the table. A bit like how I said in New Mutants, I'm respecting the film because I know what it's trying to be rather than maybe the not-so-impressive performance that it actually gives out. I'll move to you, JL, and see what you thought. But for me, I think that maybe not, you know, it's just, it doesn't live up to its potential, but it's not a a car crash that people are pretending it is personally. So I think. I definitely agree with that, um, 100% what you just said. I think, um, you know, I thought the performances were... I mean, I thought the performances were quite good. I thought, actually, um, I forgot her name already. You just said it. Sam Hayek. Yeah, I thought Sam Hayek's performance was actually the stronger of the two. Um, I thought Owen Wilson, there's a couple of, couple of moments with Owen Wilson which I thought were a bit wobbly. Um, nothing, you know, disaster, like nothing Was it his know, nose? Disastrous. <laughs> nothing disastrous. <laughs> nothing disastrous. Um, that was mean, I apologise to Owen. <laughs> But I thought, yeah, I thought it was a strong performance. And, yeah, I definitely agree with what you just said in terms of um, I, I appreciate and sort of acknowledge what it's trying to bring to the table, um, something a bit different, something... It kind of reminds me of... Um, it was a film I saw in cinemas um, when the cinemas were still open um, called The Climb. I think I mentioned it on the podcast, maybe. Um, yes, you did, yeah. And another film which... 
has been very sort of mixed in terms of people some people downright just trashing it uh, saying you know technical qualities can't redeem um this film and so on and other people very you know like me who actually quite admired it for what it tried to do and um yeah i thought this film in terms of some of the visuals some of the uh vfx some of the cinematography even what well, i thought was was very good and the performances as mm-hmm. i mentioned overall yeah. were very strong throughout and i do, i kind of yeah really appreciate what it tried to do it, it, you know it has its flaws and its problems with with some of the dialogue maybe or the screenplay itself and um maybe just as i mentioned <laughs> with another film i've talked on the podcast american pickle um <laughs> it does try and say quite a lot about different things and and sometimes it feels like it's trying to say you know it's trying to talk about too many issues and it doesn't really maybe develop those issues um that much in, in, in certain areas yeah but overall i would say yeah i definitely agree with you in terms of it, it, it being you know almost lambasted by by people in box and it feels kind of harsh really i thought um that, yeah, definitely had some merits to it Mm, yeah, there's definitely some loose threads there, I think, as well. I, th- I could pick apart issues. Uh, so I think, like, maybe some of the things to do with his son. You know, I don't want to get spoilery. That's why I'm not talking about the specific ending. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think maybe his son, you know, there's not fleshed out enough. And maybe the kind of dilemma that it brings towards the end isn't really given the space it is for you to come to that conclusion of your own accord. Um, I'd also say that uh, I agree with the visuals, especially when they go to the other place and in, in, in kind of the, the Italian sections, I think they look very good, um, kind of, and, and the, the rainbow effects and such, I think they look very graphically pleasing. Uh, I'll push it over to Brandon now, uh, see if you agree with the two of us or if you feel a bit more strongly either way. What are you saying? I think, what are you saying? I think I feel more similarly to the people who have been lambasting it on Letterboxd, but I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't really, I, didn't, I haven't looked at any of those reviews i just um just from what i felt watching it i finished it about 20 minutes uh, before yeah. i came to do the podcast mm-hmm. and i didn't i didn't despise it it's not it's no you know it's not like the worst film i've ever seen and i do admire the ambitious concept it tried to work with although it, it just ends up feeling like wasted potential a lot of the time to me uh within like the first 20 minutes i was like that this is this is gonna feel like a waste by the end of of, <laughs> of such an interesting concept and uh, one thought i did have was that <clears throat> at a point i thought this film would be so much better if owen wilson's character was just owen wilson and the boss that he killed at the start of the film was like vince vaughn I just, I just felt like i would enjoy the film a lot more if, if it started with him killing vince vaughn and his son was Adam Sandler, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, what what you said about it saying too many things about about too many different issues, I, I do agree with because I do feel like there's a a message in there somewhere and about about drug use, but I just I don't really know what it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, they feel that, but the, it's not. Yeah, there's obviously the the issue of drug use and homelessness yeah. and, and so on, but then it has this kind of strange tangent as well sort of in the sort of in the third, second or third act of the film where it starts bringing in different issues of like poverty and global warming and climate and yeah and capitalism and like a bunch of different things and i mean maybe it's i don't know it, it brings a lot to the table and you have to unpack it i guess in 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 some ways i don't know it just feels yeah. like it kind of feels like the film just throws a bunch of issues at you and just kind of makes you think about them yourself rather than trying to mm. present any kind of stance on those issues really um yeah, to, to, yeah. To, to me it just I felt agree. like they, they opened up all these discussions and then didn't really 
yeah discuss them you know like they they just and put them on the table and like they're, they're there and and i'll see them later but then we never do yeah and also one of the just before we move on to anything any other thoughts that you guys have or you know if we move on to another film but i mean just one thing as well is i kind of the way it kind of approaches the the final conclusion of the film it feels rushed as, as sam mentioned but also yes i was kind of wanting more from I, I kind of expected it because it was kind of a twisty, turny nature, and you were kind of always second guessing yourself. You know, is is this real? Is this not real? What you know, what, what's actually happening here? Who who's who? Who's related to who? And in, in what ways? And so on. And and then it kind of, all I almost expected it to have a different. It kind of comes back to what you expect from the film, how you expect it to end. And I I almost felt disappointed by that. I kind of, you know. Yeah. The, as Sam mentioned, this is kind of alternate reality, um, which which is uh, shown very, you know, visually striking. Uh, the sort of Italian esque, uh, you know, uh, location, and I was kind of expecting. Mm. I don't want to go into spoilers too much in case people do want to watch this themselves. Yeah, I, I wouldn't try. I don't I, I'm kind of in Greenland because it's prime and yeah. But I mean, the, the, I'd all the way say is there's a potential turning point in the film where things could flip on their head and they, they kind of revert back to what you'd expect them to do. And I was kind of hoping they went down the other route. And um, there's some more interesting mm. for me, some more interesting sort of moral and social implications for the, for the alternate route, um, which, you know, I kind of just thrown to the wayside by the end of the film and in, in, in its rushed conclusion. So yeah, a kind of mixed bag and uh, waste. I think wasted potential as Brandon mentioned is, is probably the best yeah. way of describing it, even though, I did maybe appreciate it a bit more and, and kind of appreciate it doing that. And it kind of comes in contrast to The Dig, which we discussed last week, which was very safe. This was the opposite of safe, but it, it, yeah, still, it yeah. still felt um, somehow incoherent. I might release a version of the podcast each week where I cut out all the audio when I talk or when you talk and just have the me going, yeah, and a uh, hum, because I just realise <laughs> how much I do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think um, the we when you're looking at us, I think, uh, me and you, um, probably, I think we all agree it, it, it doesn't uh, achieve the potential that it, it has and such kind of intelligent concepts. I think maybe where we disagree with is, um, Brandon is, so, is very disappointed in the lack of potential and the, the, the outcome it achieves where maybe me and Jordan are a bit more appreciative of the attempt. Uh, and, and I guess I'd say very similar, actually, if you go back and would watch our new mutants I review, just, yeah, I was just gonna say, where, yeah. We all didn't like. We all thought it was a bit shit, but I, in contrast to you and Bo, thought that it had at least attempted some con- some good concepts, and that's why I, I liked it more than maybe you and Bo did. Yeah. Um, looking back, New Mutants was shit. But yeah, I also feel that I think you know maybe looking back, you know, it's been a few days. I watched it on Friday. I, I seen my it has gone up in my estimation over time. I think perhaps because the concept's good, I'm almost reimagining it how I wanted it to be. Which is, I think, mm-hmm. sometimes the art when things aren't executed to the best of their ability. That's how, a bit how I feel about Marvelous Brooklyn as well, the, the Edward Norton film that came out two years ago. You know, I, when I watched it, I didn't really like it, but I think, keep thinking about it because the concepts are good. But yeah, okay, let's move on to our ratings. Uh, I think uh, I'll start off and I'll give it a six out of ten because I think that you know it's better than average because of the concepts it provides, but it doesn't really hit those high heights. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to give it a. Oh, this is interesting, actually. I was going to say six and a half, but that means I think it's better than Greenland, which I think Greenland's more coherent and obviously has more of a sort of typical story structure. And I think I kind of appreciate the quirkiness on the the interesting 
things it does present in in Bliss, even if it isn't as coherent. So I'm actually yeah, I'm gonna give it a six and a half. I'm gonna give it a, a better score than Greenland. There's a debate, I guess, whether you want whether someone would rather you rather somebody be passively average mm-hmm. or aggressively bad. Um, I really which, should be quirky for this really go- film, to be honest. Yeah, which is always the, I used to come up in it. It always used to be the argument in the conversations back when it was Ozil and Sanchez had bad games back in 1718. <laughs> so we'll finish off with Brandon here. What would you give it on a rating scale? Uh, I think I would give it about a three or a four out of ten. I, Ooh, I just think okay, okay. Yeah, I I think Greenland is is better than average. I think I think it's quite solid. So if if we if we're doing that comparison, but mm-hmm. I just think I don't know. I, after finishing this, I just just sort of left with nothing. So yeah, below below an average score for me anyway. Okay, well. Yeah, we're all it's kind of like congealing now. Podcast be a lot more boring if everyone's saying. Yeah, I agree. I, no, actually, very, I don't very... agree. That's, I don't agree. I agree that it's <laughs> like how you think Kajillionaire is, but I think Kajillionaire did everything. But Kajillionaire doesn't well, work for everyone. That's what I'm saying. Kajillionaire oh, yeah, doesn't maybe. work for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, lower IQ people maybe will struggle a little bit with Kajillionaire, but you know, if you're smart, then you probably appreciate the uh, what Miranda July does. Before we go on, boys, I just want to say something really cool. I don't want to set her off in the background accidentally, but I set up my Alexa right so I can say Alexa TV on and it turns my TV on and I can control Prime and shit. That's well sick. <laughs> no? Does anyone want to say that's sick? Just say Sam, you're cool no, or something. I don't know. You've acted like it's 2020 cool, or 2019. No, I, I huh? think it's cool. We're stuck in 2019, yeah. apparently. We're before, before well, you're going back to pre-pandemic days and have you just set it off? No, no I haven't. That's uh, my <laughs> I would rather watch Sam play with his Alexa than watch Bliss again. Oh, well, I think, to be fair, me having fun with my electronic power is probably my insane <laughs> yeah. than most films, I reckon. So moving on to the big film of the week, the one of the bigger films, the most anticipated films of the month. I, I normally say every, every week I say most anticipated of the year, but I think, you know, realistically, you're looking forward January, February in the UK because we haven't got a lot of those uh, big uh, US releases yet. It's one of the ones I've been looking forward to by a lot of people, I think, more than, um, you know, The Dig or whatever. Um, so we're going to be talking about um, Malcolm and Marie, uh, which stars uh, Zender as a kind of, Already said some um, the, some basic synopsis, but stars John David Washington of of Tenet and uh, Black Klansman fame, uh, alongside Zendaya of of course Spider Man and Euphoria fame, um, and they are a couple. There's that John David Washington is a filmmaker, and they they arrive home from a premiere uh, of his latest film, and their uh, arguments ensue. Uh, both between each other and some anger towards critics and such and it's shot in black and white and it's uh, you know it's all strictly just those two actors you just see them for the whole film there's no supporting characters and such Um, so definitely a very artsy feel throughout Um, and I'm sure one that I think I would think it's safe to say has divided opinion I think that's I think that's a a way to put it Um, so I guess we'll all we'll give it a go but um We'll start off with Brandon here. What did you think of Malcolm and Marie, the newest film from Sam Levinson? Levinson, I, uh, Yeah, my feeling on it changed throughout and then and then being left to stew for, for the few days that I've been left with it as generally not too favourable. 
there, there are a lot of good things going for it, mainly the performances. I think Zendaya and uh, and John David Washington both do incredible jobs with what they're given. Um, and visually, I think it looks really good. It's it's you know well shot. I like the choice to to uh, shoot in in black and white. And this of all the films we've watched for for this uh, podcast, this is the one I most wish I got to see in a in a cinema. Uh, mm, definitely. I think the it's 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 a it was a brave idea maybe to, to just have the film be set around one night of 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 arguing, but I do feel like that started to to weigh on me as as the as the running time you know just kept going. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's still. I I did enjoy, I did enjoy watching it until maybe the the final act where I, where I feel like it started to to drag a little bit with mm. with, with some of the pacing, uh, but and and a lot of the the dialogue it sort of just felt like Sam Levinson who who wrote and directed it was just taking out his own frustrations on on critics and I don't know maybe if that's a reason to to criticize him or not but I also feel like similarly to Bliss it opens up all these conversations and then doesn't really develop any of the ideas that it wants to discuss which sort of made the arguments and, and dialogue feel a bit more realistic you know sometimes people say things in the heat of the moment that just get dropped a minute later but it didn't mm. really make for compelling viewing in my opinion anyway yeah are you, are you, are yeah. you okay for me to take over yeah yeah, yeah feel free um yeah, so I would mirror uh, quite a lot of the things that you said during your your thoughts. Uh, much the you know uh, this kind of opening line you give that uh, your thoughts change throughout the runtime. Um, yeah, I would strongly agree with that. There were points actually in this film where I thought I might be giving it a five. Uh, really, uh, you know, at some points I thought this this is excellent. This is going to be you know up there for me for films of in, in Oscar conversations and such. Uh, but by the end, you know, it wasn't as positive. Um, I think that much you say, everybody has been pretty unanimous in their uh, kind of uh, appreciation for both of, of the leading uh, actors in this, and, and, and John Day Washington. I think they both give absolutely excellent performances, and I'm a big fan of, of both, especially uh, John Day Washington, and I think this is probably his best acting showcase, I think. Um, I wouldn't agree necessarily that I think the dialogue was that. I thought the dialogue was pretty damn believable throughout, and I thought that, that that was strong um, and it really did I think there were points uh, especially in the first kind of 50 minutes where I, I felt really quite real and I remember arguments from fucking you know any of my friends and, and my girlfriend you know where it would be you know think, and then you, you kind of want it to end and you're trying to escape and then it brings something else up I, mean, you know, I felt really sorry for, for him because like, oh god this poor bloke he's stuck in these really realistic feeling arguments um, yeah. but then I do feel that it, it it would have been a really, really good film if maybe Sam Levinson was a bit more brave enough to say it's good enough at 60 minutes. I think it didn't need to be longer than an hour and it felt after the first initial hour like we were just trying to fill the runtime. The the kind of, you know, the, 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 the writer's kind of self-wanky anger at, at critics, you know, didn't yeah. straight up annoy me. Uh, the conversations towards the end, especially to kind of when they're... they're and third, a lot of the arguments after they've kind of started to to you know, deal with them, it still feels so redundant. 
I said it really shot itself in the foot. I, I think with with really feeling like it needed to have this this extra long time. Filmmakers are, are scared to make films that are less than ninety minutes, and you know I, I think that that is an issue. Uh, this film would have suited sixty minutes, I think, uh, perfectly, or, or or seventy. You know, it didn't need to be an hour and forty five minutes long. Um, but yeah, I think visually, um, from a cinematography, you know, I think the decision black and white kind of emulating the likes of something like 12 Angry Men or kind of like those classic films uh, and almost giving a play kind of vibe. I think that was a great decision. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, on Twitter. I think, you know, what's the best a person's ever looked on film? And I really think that these are some, you know, the way these two characters look and, and, and the lighting and such, you know, you couldn't find that in terms of people looked better on film, I think. Uh, and, you know, and their, their, their big swanky house and, and the cinematography was excellent. But yeah, I say my my biggest issue would be the fact that I just got bored and I just thought, oh, I don't care anymore. You know, these people are just dragging out the light. Yeah. I don't care. You know, um, so yeah, up and down uh, thoughts really. And you know, there were there were individual bits that that bugged me and and things where I thought that doesn't seem very real. And there's a little bit, you know, I think sometimes you say the critics bit. Um, was was did feel a bit like uh, Sam Livingston trying to you know a little bit of self wank into into the into the screenplay where he's kind of going oh you know his his own little moan about um, critics masked as the opinions of the main character Malcolm. Um, I also got annoyed. Uh, <laughs> maybe this is uh, you know I guess people that maybe know me in real life are not surprised. And says I did get slightly annoyed at like the the bit when Zendaya essentially goes into a rant which is could be summed up as you know, communism isn't when no iPhone, where it's like, she's all like, um, oh, she's a socialist, but she was in films. It's like, so? Who cares? Yeah, but, you know, that's just, you know. That's, that's, I that's, thought that as well. Yeah, that's, that's the socialist side of me coming out. But, yeah, uh, what do you think, JL? Do you mirror, do you mirror our thoughts? Or, or maybe you feel more positive? Or what do you think? I love this film. I really, really love this film. And... I agree with everything you said, apart from, well, not everything you said, but I think um, one thing that I've seen a couple of people mention maybe is the the runtime. Perhaps you mentioned the pacing at certain points maybe felt a bit off or the, the runtime felt overly long, maybe a bit excessive and almost uh, sort of, what's the word? Kind of just, glo- like, kind of just, I don't know what the word is. I can't, I can't think what the word would be. Just kind of like, being being a bit like um, greedy almost uh, in in a way you know having this excessive runtime, yeah. and mm-hmm. I can kind of I kind of see maybe the criticism. Um, maybe it could have been a bit shorter, but I mean for me, when I went into this film and I'd seen a couple of people's opinions on it, I thought maybe it was going to start off really strong and then whimper out, or it was going to be you know a bit, a bit weak in the in the opening and sort of built built some kind of climax. I I kind of disagree with both of those. I think. It was uh, consistently strong throughout. I, I never really felt bored. I never felt um, like the the runtime w- was you know overly excessive or indulgent. That's the word I was looking for a moment ago. Mm, um, yeah, 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 self indulgent. I, I kind of yeah. I, don't, I thought the, the, the I thought the the runtime was fine. Um, and then I've seen a couple people saying, "Oh, it's just uh, it's just John David Washington and Zendaya giving monologues for an hour and forty five minutes." And yeah, that's what made it so good, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, these are two of the the best actors. You know, you know, they've, they've done a, they've done a couple of projects um, that they've you know come to come to fame in, in recent years, and um, you know now sort of well established names in in the film scene. And yeah, just I think two of the best performances, especially Zendaya, I thought was performance exceptional. Um, 
we've talked yes. in, in recent weeks mm-hmm. about, about awkward award ceremonies and so on and I can for, for sure see why Zendaya's broken into you know a few people's predictions for at least nominations um, based on what I've seen of, of the awards roster for the upcoming awards I think Francis McDormand for Nomadland was the, the strongest contender for me going into going before I'd seen this film I think Zendaya for me is the closest person um, if not you know Above um, McDormand for for this film, I think performance was exceptional, and yeah, I agree. With so, uh, would you say comparing this to um, the performance that was so talked about by our um, our, our comrades at um, the Music City Driving Network, who are so flattering, uh, promising young woman's uh, Carrie Mulligan, which I know you've seen and I haven't because it hasn't come out in the UK yet. Um, mm-hmm. What would you would you say comparing Zendaya's performance, uh, you know, in a film that gives her so much screen time to a performance where Carrie Mulligan's obviously yeah. the lead? Um, you know, what what you know would you say that that you'd think Zendaya in a personal ranking would would jump over her? I think Carrie Mulligan. I think that I think Promising Woman's grown on me since I watched it. Um, I think when I yeah. watched it the first when I watched it, I think I, I think I kind of took on too much of other people's opinions about the film. About the ending of the film potentially being, uh, you know, some people weren't too happy with the ending of the film, and maybe that maybe waiting to my my own opinions really having having watched it. I think Karen Willigan though, give an exceptional performance, and I think yeah, she definitely deserves to be in the conversation for for the awards. Um, I think personally, I would say that Zendaya's performance, you know, given the fact, you know, it's easy to say I think um, that you know she has more screen time, therefore. You know, she she kind of almost naturally stands out as as a stronger performance. But I think you know the fact she's on screen for you know t- almost two hours, um, and and it never felt like there's a, a weak moment. It's a, definitely a challenger. And mm. having only one actor to to riff off of, and yeah, I just thought. I mean, Sam Levinson might hate me for saying this, but the performances were very authentic. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. Just, Sam Levinson, it's obviously worth mentioning, worked with Zendaya on Euphoria. He's that's yeah. what he's best known for. He made Euphoria, which I haven't seen. No, I've not, no. No, not really. Um but yeah, I, I mean there's a couple of moments where I thought like it can go one of two ways with people's opinions. You know, you mentioned the mm-hmm. critic you mentioned the critics uh the critics scene involving, you know, John David Washington's Malcolm, um, you know having a go at the critics. Um yeah, and there's a bunch of moments in the film I think where it can go one of two ways. People can kind of get on board of it and and you know really really like the kind of almost uncensored stream of consciousness style of of screenwriting and you know that that kind of lends itself you know ironically to the authenticity. Or you can kind of say you know it's unchecked, it's unfiltered, it needs to be more refined. I'm personally in the first camp, but I can I can you know definitely understand why people don't like that kind of writing. Um, another thing as well is kind of similar in, in that regard is there's, there's various moments involving music throughout the film um, mm. where music is used in film uh, where characters listen to music listen to, to various songs and you know some people in other films it might be kind of oh they're playing this song because this person's sad or this person's they're playing this song because this person's happy and you know it's lazy screenwriting, you know. The you know you don't have to spell out for us kind of thing. I think in this film it works perfectly um, because it's kind of used by the characters rather than yeah, sort of it passively. It's it's kind of used more actively by the characters. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
it, it, people do that in real life. You know, people listen to a song and and read into it and, and take meaning from it and apply it to their own lives and their own situations and, and whether that be positive or negative, I think. I thought it was, yeah, I thought I, it was I'd say really this well. felt like a lot like a this felt like a lot like a play. Yeah, you know, I think I think that, uh, and I think that um, the kind of the play the people kind of almost walking over to the music player uh, music box and turning it on to 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 progress the story and kind of show what not what they're feeling but what they want the partner to hear. So when Malcolm yeah. plays a song, he obviously wants Marie to hear it and and think. And I think yeah. that that works. I would say that I don't think it ever felt too corny. Mm-hmm. I think it's done in a way where With- they, as long as they because they acknowledged it, it kind of took that that kind of stigma away. Uh, yeah, I'd say I generally agree. Uh, maybe my review sounds a bit more negative than I actually feel because you know I just think that maybe you know the film is half an hour too long. But you know if if you know more awards I think should pick up the best scene uh, category because I think that's a, a curious idea. I, th- I personally think that the bathtub scene, um, mm-hmm. anyone seeing it, you know when they're, they're having the argument in the bathtub, I think that is actually as good as you know, anything that came out this year, you know, I think really, really emotional, really, really handled well before there was any sense of fatigue about the film going on too long. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a really, really nice scene and it showed um, Zendaya's range of emotions and just how good um, John Day Washington is at giving these quote-unquote boring monologues. Um, so yeah, you know, I think that, you know, there there were some really, really good parts of this film and, and perhaps some not so good parts, but yeah, um, I'd say that it definitely is not as bad as people are making, as some people are saying, but yes, perhaps yeah. for me, not in the Oscar conversation, you know, when it comes to the film itself or director or such, but yeah, I don't know. I think I as well, though, the, thoughts? I mean, you mentioned the bathtub scene, I think the, the scene revolving around a knife was incredible. Yeah. And I was going to mention that. I yeah. kind of, I kind of, knew where it was going i kind of knew what was going to happen you know I with the resolution of that surprised. scene i kind of i kind of guessed what was going to happen it didn't take anything mm. away from the scene i thought that i thought you know zendaya again showing why she's you know in in that conversation um one thing as well just um at someone i put a tweet out yesterday about the film in terms of people's criticism of sam levinson um in, in the screenplay and uh, one response which i got i just want to read out because i thought it was was quite interesting and, and you know kind of which just was a very interesting take on on the conversation. Um, it's from mm-hmm. Brian Eggert, um, whose Twitter is at Deep Focus Review. Uh, Deep Focus Review, and uh, mm-hmm. Brian said he complains about critics having a subjective point of view about films, ignoring that criticism is very much a subjective medium. And critics point out that his views seem overly personal for a film, forgetting that art is subjective. It's a vicious cycle, circle, and I definitely agree mm-hmm. with that. I think that's a very um, you know, yeah. well, that's that scene. I think is perhaps a scene that kind of tips people one way or the other. Um, I, I just, I really liked the scene. I thought, just, I just thought the the dialogue was very believable throughout, and the performances kind of captivated that. And you know, uh, I thought the the acting was incredible throughout. And yeah. Also, you mentioned the stage play yeah. like quality of it. I think with, with, mm. with the, obviously you talked about Mar Rainey on the podcast, One Night in Miami, uh, Twelve Angry Men. We've we've drawn comparisons to that film. Uh, this film for me was by far the most cinematic of them. Um, obviously not based on a stage play, so it's kind of hard to compare. But when you're talking about stage play esque qualities, I think some of the cinematography and and camera work and, and so on was incredible. I think the opening sort of ten fifteen minutes of the film, um, with that kind of sweeping back and forth between uh, Malcolm and Marie, and then obviously you get into the later stage of the film with the more sort of close up shots and. You know, obviously, this is this is kind of funny talking about it, given 
when what Malcolm talks about in the film with, with critics yeah. discussing the, yeah. the discussing the, the choices a director makes. Yeah. We are the problem. Yeah. Discussing the choices yeah. a director makes and and the kind of the knowledge they have of the film. But I mean, just on a purely <laughs> visual level, I thought the film, considering it's basically you know it is one how it's one of those famed one location films that I've talked so highly about in the past. Um, yeah. They can often yeah, be very boring yeah. and drab by cinematography standards. This was exceptional, I thought as well. I think uh, before I, go, I want to actually ask Brandon a question, just you know. Um, but before I do, I'll say that um, I actually something that slightly annoys me about Twelve Angry Men is that I don't feel like it needs to have the the beginning and the end scenes that aren't in the in the room. I actually don't think it needs those, and therefore I think it would be worked a little better if it's really strictly stated to that little one location in Ma Rainey for example I didn't really feel like the, the, the scenes of them walking around in the town or in the city to get to the place were particularly needed where you could have had it kind of explained for exposition just to keep it more on the on the, on the location and I was a big fan about how they kept it strictly to the two characters and strictly to the house and the surrounding area they didn't mm-hmm. show any of them get, getting out of a limo or, or being at the premiere I was yeah. a big fan that he strictly stuck to that yes yes which the is ironic because obviously they them. talk about that yeah, uh, but I was yeah. going to say to, to Brandon, um, you know, you talked uh, about when you said your initial thoughts on the film, you said that maybe um, you had a bit of an issue with uh, some of the screenplay at times. And I just wanted to kind of dig into that a little and see when you said that, do you, you think it's was that very directly led to the pacing in the runtime? Or did you think that maybe some of the dialogue was not at the level it should have been? What were your issues with the screenplay when you said about that? I... Uh... I don't. I, I. I didn't. I wasn't a massive fan of, of the of the critics thing, but I don't think it's as big a deal for me as it is for some other people who, who really don't appreciate, you know, Malcolm being used as a as a a, a tool f- for those mm-hmm. you know projected ideas from Sam Levinson. But I. I just. I think the routine of um, everything being fine, everything kicking off again. Everything going back to being fine, and then everything kicking off again. I feel a bit redundant at points. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just starts. It starts to win you because it's like by the third time it happens, you just waiting mm. for it to kick off again. Which I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that adds to you know whether the authenticity of it. But you know if you if you've ever been in an argument like that that just kept going, but yeah, it keeps going on. Yeah, it, it's it's still not fun to watch by the end although yeah. that uh, the knife monologue did sort of pull me back in towards the end but then it ends and, and I was pulled back out again uh, but but yeah <laughs> I, I think I think it was I think it was just it was just that watching people argue for two hours isn't always that fun basically uh, <laughs> For me, yeah, it was just kind of the underlying yeah. tension, I guess, and not yeah, yeah. A kind mm. of, you know, you, you have these kind of laws and the moments where um, the, you know, you can see the, the kind of love and, and the romance sort of come through and, and understand why those characters are together. I think sometimes in films like this where there's arguments and so on, you kind of just think, you know, with what we're, with what we're shown, you can kind of think, well, why are these characters together then if, if there's these, you know, arguments and... To saying all this stuff about one another, and, and you know, it, yeah. you kind of you kind of go, well, why are they, you know, why are they together? Why? And then you kind of think, well, what happens in real life? And then you also kind of, with this film, you kind of get those moments where you do get to see kind of th- there is, you know, justification and, and and development of kind of an understanding and appreciation of why are these people are together and and yeah, I just thought the the kind of tension that they brought throughout the scenes, you know, these this 
yeah, I just thought the the weight. I thought yeah. the pacing was very good, and I thought the the kind of back and forth almost between the characters, but also between the kind of tone and um and tension of of the film was what kind of kept me on edge and kept me um kind of wanting to see what was going to happen next and what was going to come next and you know where where the the discussion was going to go. Yeah, uh, I think I am um... just oh, sorry. Uh, just just a little brief note on the dialogue. I think a lot of it sometimes read to me as sort of pretentious, sort of pseudo-psychoanalytic monologues, which were, you know, brilliantly delivered by both of the actors, but when you, I don't know, thinking about some of the words they said, I'm like, this is like something Malcolm would criticise critics for doing reading into, yeah. into characters yeah. in such a way, and, and the, the sort of psychologically tearing each other apart and I, and I just I don't know I didn't really know how to feel about that whilst well, so I've always felt like it didn't actually apply completely to this film because I think there is some um, you know it's easy for me to say obviously not relating to the issue at heart but I think there is a lot of the conversation they have maybe do involve of race but um, I did actually think it was a uh, it was it was a nice inclusion to have the lines about how every film about black people isn't necessarily all, every film that's got black people in it isn't necessarily about race and I think yeah. maybe that's a, a point that that you know us included are guilty of um, you know from mm. you know it, you know we, we seem to always kind of go back to that uh, so I think it was a nice inclusion uh, obviously Sam Livingston uh, you know the white bloke himself but. And I also say that um, I want to just quickly, for some criticism that I personally think is unfair, is that I have seen people talk about maybe some of the psychological trauma and, and the methods of, of abuse that, that, that each one gives each other and, and the way that Malcolm kind of maybe mistreats um, Marie. And, and it also ties in with the kind of debate that went on prior to the film coming out about the age gap. Uh, and I'll say that with kind of regards to both of them, that that the film isn't saying that this guy is a good guy. He doesn't have to yeah. be a good guy. If you have yeah. an issue mm-hmm. with his actions, that's the character. That does not mean that Sam Livingston and John David Washington and Netflix are advocating every action he does is good and he you can interpret things he does as psychological abuse and you can interpret them as not and that's up to you. But it does not mean that the film is, is bad and for giving this bad message off because these characters aren't shown as being good. When I had problems with things like Hillbilly Elegy, that's because the the the, the very you know, confused message, the the damaging message and what I believe to be a classist message was presented as the true and the good fact. That was presented as that's what it should be and, and that's what I had an issue with. This film does not make you think that Malcolm is the good guy or the bad guy. It's up to you. So I don't have an issue with that. With just... the, and definitely the age gap is useful for the story. He talks about finding him when she's 20. JL talks, talks to me the podcast. I'm plagiarising what he said. But yeah, so that, that I'll just personally say that I don't think that criticism is particularly valid. Obviously, everything is subjective. Yeah. But I'll also say that I wish I kind of wish I had a uh, a woman on the podcast today. I, mean, I guess you know you're a bit feminine being a notorious cat boy, Brandon. But I wish kind of <laughs> I had an actual uh, we almost had an actual uh, a woman on the podcast because I would have been interested to see her thoughts on uh, the argument and maybe you know from a female perspective of kind of almost who you're rooting for because I felt like I'd been in, in, in JDW's seat, in Malcolm's seat, and I kind of the whole time, even though he said some dickheadish things, I kept thinking like, oh, come on, let Malcolm off now, Marie, kind yeah. of let him give it a break, fucking poor bloke. You know what I mean? And I kind of, when he insulted her, I was like, oh, yes, get him on over. Like, I wonder if that's a male-female thing, or, you know, whether that I was kind of naturally going for the bloke that's like, oh, just let the fucking poor bloke have his mac and uh, cheese. I, uh... <laughs> 
I was probably more so in the Zendaya camp actually. In, in the Marie yeah. Okay, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. maybe I, less of a gender thing and a personality thing, perhaps, instead. Yeah, I'm, yeah, not, I'm not too sure. But I just... The... No, I was going to say, I just thought that... I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm an arsehole. Maybe, maybe yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just... Maybe that's down to the performance, though. Maybe it's just the strength yeah. of her performance and especially the emotional range. I feel like maybe um, Malcolm was... You know, obviously still had some range to him, but it is, ad- it is addressed throughout the film that, you know, he maybe lacks some kind of... Um, you know, is this, I think Marie mentions at one point about lacking femininity, um, and you know, perhaps I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I think I just think the range of emotion that is shown by Marie made me more um, empathetic towards her character. Not that I wasn't empathetic towards okay. Malcolm at points, but I feel like yeah, um, I, I definitely I, feel like there's 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 male man woman you know aspects of this where men and women will root for uh, you know Malcolm and Marie respectively um, because of things like relatability but personally there were extended periods of the film where I was on Marie's side despite feeling sympathy for Malcolm and, and like yeah, because obviously it's it's a big night for him and I, and I empathise with the fact that it was very badly ruined but uh, and it's and, and as well and as well you both make good points throughout each argument mm-hmm. like it's yeah. never it, it the film never takes a side like this this person's right this person's wrong which you know I I enjoy because I I hope Sam Levinson understands the irony that he that he's made such an authentic film <laughs> that criticizes people saying it's authentic so much <laughs> yeah yeah but, yeah. Uh, yeah but also uh, obviously uh, the irony of you know people as I mentioned before, with the, with the subjectivity issue and people kind of saying, oh, the director is just spouting his views through a character. Well, yeah, that's what a film is, you know. <laughs> it's written by a, a screenwriter and, you know, that's the job to, yeah. to present a message, whether it be, you know, through the character's words or actions or, or whatever it may be. It's kind of very interesting to analyse on, on that level as well, obviously, a director writing a director and... Not just the criticism, but also the positive aspects that can bring to to the character as well. Um, I think we mentioned before we mentioned that about the about the issue of taking sides. Almost, um, you know, whose side are we on? I can't remember. Which, I can't remember which film it was. We've talked about it before. I know for sure it was with Whiplash. We talked about how um, you know this kind of toxicity almost from J.K. Simmons' character from Fletcher. It's kind of like you know it. it it's not necessarily. You know, just because a film shows something doesn't necessarily mean it advocates or endorses what the the characters are doing and saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. Mm-hmm. There was another film as well where it was more about taking sides, and we kind of talked about how you know just because a film shows, you know, a film doesn't have to pick sides. I can't remember which film it was now. Um, but yeah, a very sort of interesting discussion, I guess, around, around that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and to to start to to summarize before we, we start repeating ourselves. I think the kind of my final line would be that I believe Malcolm and Marie obviously wants, I think it's very clear that it wants to be in Oscar conversations. Uh, yeah, I don't think it will do so well, perhaps outside of Zendaya. Uh, I think that uh, Malcolm and Marie is a 
beautiful and technically excellent uh, film in terms of the way it's shot and the music uh, I think it's got some uh, excellent performances from two actors that have got a lot to come and have proved it continually how just how good they are um, uh, but I do feel that uh, a lot of what was so good early on became redundant and tiring as Brandon said so much uh, as the film drained on and, and perhaps I would have enjoyed uh, if it was bold enough to cut itself off an hour in uh, so therefore, you know, for the strengths that it provides, both on a technical and acting level, I think it warrants uh, an eight, uh, which is high. Uh, but I don't think, uh, I think some of the struggles that, that I felt towards the end maybe stop it from maybe being the nine and a half or ten that I felt it could have been at points at the, the start of the film. Yeah. Move over to uh, to you, Brandon, because I know yours is going to be high, JL, so I'll leave that for last. So what do you think about yourself, Brandon? If I could just briefly go back to what JL said about Sam Levinson and the criticism they got for using Malcolm I, I I think I agree with what you said that like there's, there's absolutely no issue with writers you know projecting their own ideas through characters I think for me it's more so in the way that it's done um, and it just it, it just growing like I don't know maybe a bit tiresome uh, because it, with with most films it'd be like a, a, a summation message throughout the entire film but Obviously, with the concept of this film, it just has to sort of be screamed in a, in a delirious mm-hmm. rant of someone who's high off the best nights of his life. But yeah, I do I do agree. There's absolutely no issue with him using a character to project what he thinks himself, and I do think that's an unfair criticism. Um, but to get to my rating, um, I, despite what I said, mostly being negative, I do still think it's it's obviously a very well made film, and excellently performed. So I've gone with a six. Uh, which I don't know might seem a bit low because I did still enjoy watching it, but with the pacing and the sort of droning that that, that goes on throughout, I I just I don't know how inclined I'll be to revisit this. But it's definitely better than average. Maybe maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but that's what I'm left with anyway. Okay, yeah, that is actually a bit more sp- uh, lower than I thought, but um, yeah, I guess maybe you feel, I think it's it, it, almost the same uh, you can say about Bliss, is that we kind of feel the same, uh, or especially me and you feel the same uh, on this, but it's just how strongly that's the thing, where I feel it, like the, yeah. the first half justified it more than the bad the second half, maybe you feel that the second half justified the low rating because of how bad it was. Um, we'll move over to, to JL, and, and I'm sure you're going to give it a much higher rating, uh, so what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think I. This is one of those odd occasions where I'm gonna disagree. Well, no, you still gave it an eight out of ten, didn't you? So it's not as if it's a yeah. complete yeah. disagreement. I think just maybe, kind of maybe like Kajillionaire, it was just more. I don't know. I kind of you appreciate the film on a technical level, maybe, but not as in tune with maybe the characters or or whatever, maybe. But um, yeah, I think I'm gonna end up giving this a nine. Maybe pushing it up to a nine and a half. I'm not too sure. Wow, uh, defi- definitely, a, definitely a nine. Yeah. There. Um, I think I'm. And obviously, Brandon mentioned he's maybe not going to be uh, inclined to to give this a rewatch. I think this and Bliss potentially um, are two films that maybe not in the next month or even two months, but somewhere in the next twelve months, I'll probably want to uh, revisit and and you know give you know give um give some time to again because I think. They both have very interesting things to say. Maybe one of them a bit more um, coherent and technically uh, astute. But I think, yeah, I think Malcolm Marie was, you know, um, Zendaya and JDW at the at the best and uh, had a lot to say. And I thought he did very well and technically very, you know, sound and solid. And cinematography, as we've all agreed, was was very good. So 
yeah, I think, um, yeah, nine, nine and a half. Okay, that's very, very high praise. And yeah, that pretty much wraps up all we're going to talk about in today's podcast. So to wrap it up, Greenland, perhaps slightly better than we expected. One division, the best uh, so far, and we're excited for what's going on. We're looking at Bliss. So uh, the, the key words, we missed potential, but to the degree we disagree. And some very mixed views, I guess, between from ranging from a six to a nine and a half to an or, or nine on Malcolm Marie, me and Brandon perhaps thinking that some of the struggles of the of the uh, latter half of the film let it down the promise that was shown in the first half. JL thinking that it was a very authentic picture for out. And obviously use that keyword. <laughs> I do do you know what's coming out next week, JL? Do you know what we're gonna be doing next week? Have we got any clue? Um No. Uh Due to the Bot Messiah is getting a US release date on the 12th of February, but I believe the 26th of February for the UK. I'm not sure if that's a cinema theatrical release or if it's a uh, streaming, sort of going to be on some streaming service somewhere. I'm not too sure. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Uh, but even so, that yeah. will not be for a couple of weeks. Um, obviously, the I think it's the 19th of February. Um, I care a lot. The Bosman Pike uh, thriller coming to Amazon Prime. Um, and I, build, I can't believe what it was, but I think there's another fairly sort of big film coming to Netflix or Prime in the next sort of mm. two or three weeks. But other than that, um, yeah, we, we want to... When's Cherry coming out? Is that soon? Oh, oh, oh speaking of Cherry, I have a... Um, I have managed to get a screener uh, for Cherry. Whoa, well, it's, really? it's, not, it's not even like... It's not even like I... Uh, it was just like a thing to sign up for. Uh, I don't know if it's still available to do. If it is, I think I sent you a link to I it. Using, I don't know. I think you're using. I thought you might be using your verified tick on Twitter to. Uh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, it's just a. It's just an event thing. It's just um, and there's so there's a screener and but it's a two a.m. UK time thing, and okay. following it there is a Q and A, um, with. Uh, is the Q&A with the Russos, or is it with... I can't remember who it's with, but it's like, uh, there'll be set questions by a host, and then there's like a, um, sort of message feed that you can send questions into, and they'll pick certain questions from it, um, that they'll also ask. Uh, I'll see if it's still available, I doubt it, because it was, like, last week when I signed up for it. Um, but yeah, I probably end up, well, probably will end up discussing it, but not full, like a full review. Uh, when I get around to seeing it on that screener, um, okay. So okay. it gives you a chance to watch it on. Cherry, the of course, starring Tom Holland, who is in every single film ever to come out. Seems to be. He seems <laughs> so to be cast sick everything. Of that little man. I'm so sick of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, regardless of uh, what we do next week, it will be without some Brandon. That we can say thank you very much for coming on and being yeah, thank uh, you. An, an excellent guest once more, and and providing us with your your uh, sweet scouse tones. <laughs> no, no. Uh, thanks for having me on. I, I, I've enjoyed it profusely both times. So hopefully I can come on again. At some let's get around. Yeah, and we are sure we will invite you back on soon, as we've got an awful lot of people that I that have come on the podcast that uh, we need to get back on. And, and of course, Brandon will be will be in the, on the list when we uh, find ourselves needing uh, another guest. And back into the side. If you want to, is there anything you want to shout out, Brandon? Uh, just the Twitter, I suppose. It's uh, be Brandon with a seven instead of an R and three N's on the end. 
Yes, okay, so follow him on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, which would be a great decision, I think, it'd be Sam H Media. If you want to follow Jordan, it would be at by Jordan Luke. If you want to uh, follow uh, JL on uh, on Letterbox, it's the same, by Jordan Luke, but for me, it's Sam Houston. Uh, do you want to shout out your Letterbox while you're here? Yeah, mine, mine's still brand bitter, so that's me on Letterbox. Okay. Okay, and uh, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it is at now showing film. Uh, of course, we did a uh, poll about Go- Godzilla God the podcast. We're going to try and get a little bit more interactive out there on the Twitter. Uh, you can listen to the Music City Drive-In podcast, uh, which is our, our network. Uh, they, you can find them on Twitter. You can find them on their website, Music City Drive-In, or you can find them on uh, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, of course, we went on there a few weeks ago for the Whiskies Awards. Um, I will hope to be making an appearance when we do Oscar nominations, uh, perhaps Jordan as well. Um, and yeah, uh, give the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes to get it up in the ratings. Uh, we'd appreciate that. And yeah, uh, I hope you're, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. See you next time.